0: You're listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. I'm your host, Keane Reinhart, and join me each week as we meet the people of Limerick who are making it the place it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. So for this week's podcast, I'm joined by Social Democrats, General Election Candidate and Chairperson, Jenny Blake. Jenny, how are you getting on? I'm good, I'm good. How are you, keen? I'm not too bad. Uh, I had a trip up from Waterford there. Some people know I, I've moved from Limerick.
1: Just and to I, clarify, we're not in Madrid. We're not in Madrid. <laughs> Unfortunately. We're <laughs> on Joseph Street.
0: Yeah. Um, how is everything going?
1: Yeah, it's going good. Yeah, getting busy now. Um, you know, I, I work out in UL Student Union, as I you our UL Student Life, as they're called now and uh, obviously so we're just uh, linking in with students getting ready for repeat exams and i grades and coming back to the new college year in whatever way it'll look
0: it's kind of a mad one isn't it especially with the repeats and stuff because everything is fairly up in the air so i'd imagine you're dealing with a, a lot from students who well you haven't experienced before and nobody has
1: yeah everybody's doing it for the first time and you know what's what's clear is that some students are you know more at a disadvantage than others like, you know, remote study is, is, is all fine and grand if you have multiple devices in your house and your family have, a, you know, are lucky enough to afford a house big enough for everyone to have a kind of a private kind of quiet place to study. So, um, and even just from a mental health point of view, you know, students have had to adjust to, to, to this change and finished their last year. Um, while dealing with the global pandemic and now getting ready. So it's bringing up a lot of anxiety and stress for, for students. Imagine but,
0: how odd it would feel graduating in this climate as well. Like it's, yeah. it's a massive part of people's lives, especially for families. My family, I'm the only person that went to university or college. Yeah. So I know I wasn't too pushed on my graduation now, but for my mum and dad, they definitely wanted to it's go. A, you no, know.
1: it's a huge rite of passage. And I think sometimes we acknowledge all the bad things in life and it's really good to celebrate the positive things. And I think people, you know, people are going to miss out on their graduation. Because uh, the, some of the, the, the student union officers, um, the student officers were hoping maybe to do a graduation in the likes of Tolman Park, where you'd have lots of distance, but it, it wasn't possible with public health guidelines, you know. So there was a graduation in absentia. Um, but it is it, it, it is, it is a blow. I know we need to take everything into perspective of public health, but there's no doubt about it. It's a disappointment for families who've worked so hard to support uh, their kids in college, but then also for the students themselves, you know.
0: So, so what exactly is your role with UL Student Life?
1: So I do, um, I coordinate student information and support. So there's been a bit of a change and development in students unions across uh, kind of the Western world really, um, where the, a lot of unions have professionalized student support and student cases. So I don't know if you remember if someone was in crisis or had a difficulty, the first point of call would be the, the, the welfare officer. And so I would work very closely with the welfare officer, the academic officer, and our new vice president for communities, which has a kind of a diversity and inclusion remit. Um, and they would be the human signpost and the main protocol for all students. And what they would do then is if a student is in need of support or advice, they would refer them to me and then I would manage the caseload of students um, engaging with UL Student Life.
0: So uh, you've been there a few years now. Two years Two now, years. yeah. yeah. Back <laughs> back
1: in UL. I came, that's how I originally came to Limerick oh, yeah. in 2002, was to do the Access Programme in UL. So I'm very fond of UL. It's given me a massive uh, amount of positives in my life, you know. Um, so what did you study there? I studied, so I did the Access. It was I went, you know, a bit of a meandering way. Um, I was the first person to go to college in my family as well, so I didn't really know what I was doing. And I came down to do the Access Programme. I was thinking, where is the furthest place away from Dublin which isn't Cork <laughs> I love Cork now but at the time um I was thinking I don't want to go to Cork and so I came down to Limerick and UL at the time was the only place that you could do a concurrent teaching degree with chemistry and biology <laughs> how far I've come <laughs> so I wanted to teach chemistry and biology and also had ambitions to be a professional basketball player so it was also a brilliant basketball team for the, for the women so that's why I came to, hey, how to Limerick how's basketball career going <laughs>
0: I watch lots of it <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: interesting so I came down to be a science teacher and play basketball and I ended up um, doing a degree in, in the arts so history politics and social studies and got involved in, in human rights activism and student activism so you know but, but that's interesting is it? because you go to a place for a particular reason and, and you're yeah. going to Madrid but you never know what will happen when you get there. And I think you just need to be open to to following your heart and, 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 and your instincts. And for me, it was to change my plan and get into the, the more of the arts and community and activism kind of area. You know? uh, and
0: when when I uh, put up a post recently saying I was moving to Madrid, you commented saying Limerick gets a hold of you. It won't let go. Oh,
1: that's it. Like, I mean, <laughs> like I pure feel like a Limerick person. Yeah. You know, like I get really surprised when, when, when people refer to me as, as as a dub or as a blow-in because in my mind, I feel so at home in Limerick. Like I came to Limerick in 2002, and I was on my own. Like I'd, I'd nobody here that I knew. Um, I literally had nowhere to live. A, a, a person who who still work, actually works with me now in UL Student Life, but was working in the Access Office at the time. Lovely man called John picked me up from the train station and brought me out to Limerick. Sure, I didn't know me arse from me but <laughs> I didn't. And I was supported so much by the Access um, Office in, in in UL and by the then Student Junior President Owner Brin, uh, you know, and it. it I just felt like this is my home, uh, this is my spiritual home. It's I came out, you know, mm-hmm. um, in Limerick. I met, uh, you know, friends that are still friends now, my lifelong friends, and you know, I love the city, I love the county. Um, I just felt like this is where I was supposed to be.
0: And uh, you, you grew up in Blanche. Yeah. Yeah. So how does it like? It's it's a change. Mm, yeah. But it's still kind of a working class area, you know. Yeah. Traditionally, it would be anyway.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because you know I I have a a, a lovely dear friend from Clare, and she used to always joke and that if I ever tried to move to Meltham, Albay she'd run me out myself. (laughs) And and we joke about how friendly and welcoming Limerick is. And I think Limerick it's a working town. You know, it's it's a city where the people they're no stranger to hard work, and they're no stranger to difficulties and challenges. But if you're willing to work hard and you're willing to treat people. We have compassion and respect and you will be accepted. So like growing up in Blanche, because it was a working class area and because for me, I always worked as a young person all through school and, you know, came from a community that did have have difficulties, but we all rallied together. I think that was a great foundation to move to Mm -hmm. Limerick because that's very similar to a lot of the Limerick communities. Community
0: is the key word there, because I think like... The one thing about Limerick is everybody comes together for the betterment of Limerick at some yeah. point. You
1: know, oh, definitely, yeah, absolutely, and and then you can see that even through the global pandemic and through COVID, you know, there's been great support uh, that's come from the communities and people looking out for each other. Um, but even the love of sport, you know, and even like say for example, like rugby. Uh, the GEA you know it's it's like I I think about it because I love the river I love swimming I love sport I love different things and whatever area that you're interested in whatever your your niche area is there's always a sense of coming together having fun and helping each other out when it's needed and I don't think what's happened during the COVID, COVID pandemic is any different I think we've seen I've seen that over the 20 years I've been in Limerick um, not only in times of difficulty, but even times of of when we're doing things together that we love, but someone in that group might have a challenge, you know. And I think Limerick people are particularly good at that. Yeah. There's no nonsense, no shite in Limerick, you know. And there's a lot um, of change
0: since the pandemic as well. Like mm. we've seen um, kind of parklets pop up. Yeah. Now there's a lot to be done still. Yeah. But it's nice to see like on Catherine Street in Canteen there yeah. on a Sunday. I was there uh, two Sundays ago and it was just lovely to see people sitting on yeah. the street. Now, I I love sitting outside. I'd rather sit outside than inside. So even mm. if it's raining, I'd I'd probably sit outside I'm most of the time. Yeah, especially when I have the dog. You know, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. But uh, it is nice to see people actually just sit out there yeah. and get, come together because cities need that. You know.
1: Well, yeah. Like in a city, like first and foremost, it's a place to live, and it's a place to 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 use with your family. You know, and so it has to be a livable space. It has to be a space where you know you can move around. With safety and freedom, you know where we are using our outside spaces, and and I think that so many people want to come into the city and want to use the city, um, and and we haven't yet fully found the the right way to 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 make the city um as usable as it can be, and I think you're right, like pedestrianizing the streets, having the parklets, you know, supporting businesses to be able to use the spaces outside is one part of mm-hmm. that, you know um but we're definitely getting there you know um but we have to try new things and not be afraid to try what might be new things for us but are evidence-based things that improve a city's livability well you can cherry
0: pick all the best things from cities around the world you know. yeah
1: and implement it and and i swim in the river now very very regularly a couple of times every week and and i've done that for over 10 years and i would be a great believer that we need to be using the river for life Mm -hmm. and you know as something that brings joy to Limerick City and not that brings grief and sorrow. And and again we need to turn towards the river and, and you know, see what other cities have done to be able to embrace the riverfront, to be able to use it more recreationally, and that has happened. Like you can see it now. I was swimming in the river in the city there about a month or so ago, and the, the rowers were out, um the kayakers were out, the the masters, the swimmers were out, that would obviously be a lot fitter than <laughs> myself <laughs> and my crew, and then we were out there leisurely enjoying it in a safe way, using the tides, having our tow floats, you know.
0: Yeah. Um I wonder- the sun was out over the lockdown it was just when people were allowed back out yeah. And the tide was very low. Yeah. Like people were out just walking into the middle of the river yeah, and just sitting there and having a picnic or whatever, you know. Yeah. It, it was lovely to see it. It's gorgeous to be on the riverbed. Yeah. Definitely it is. And
1: we've an embarrassment of riches in Limerick, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we have the castle, we have the River Shannon, like you know, and and like using the riverfront there to, you know, draw people in, draw families in, you know, and hive of activity, obviously for for, for for restaurants as well, mm-hmm. and, and using our public spaces. And one thing we've gotten from COVID is, you know, we're we're acknowledging that we need need to use our public spaces more yeah and we need to use it better and we have higher expectations now of the likes of the council to be able to plan and implement changes in a way that allows us to do that
0: you know and like uh, one thing i noticed when i first moved up here so i was on snapchat and julie's filters the geo filters
1: i'm too old for snapchat so i i think when i started working (laughs) in student union i was on it for about a week and i didn't know what was happening so i I don't use it either I i think i
0: had it for about a month or so but um
1: but you can see what other people are yeah Yeah.
0: but there's a there's a filter that you can put over your photo yeah and the one for Limerick says Riverside City yeah and it's only now they're starting to embrace that I think yeah. you know people actually I've seen seats outside a house down on along the quay there like yeah. you know and it's just beautiful to see it finally become yeah. a riverside city again. You well, know?
1: that's it. When we need to take the fear away as well. Um, and we may demystify the river. You know, we need to be encouraging people to use it again in a safe way. And that does include supporting the likes of all the rowing clubs, the boat clubs, opening up the boat clubs mm. so more people can use them. You know, encouraging I- initiatives in terms of swimming initiatives. Um, obviously doing everything I- in a safe way where we as was getting better at our own knowledge so that we have more public knowledge about how to use the river safely as opposed to just not engaging in it at all, you know, yeah. and you know, it, it is proven if you have more life around the river, there are preventative factors for the likes of suicide prevention, you know, even having the patrol out there at night, so I volunteer now at the Haven Hub um, on, on the phone um, uh, and like having preventions and life and activity around the river keeps people safer. So even for that reason alone, we should yeah. be doing it.
0: It was a voluntary work. Go, is it, It's tough. I imagine.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, in fair, in, in fairness, I mean, the the, the the people involved in in, in the Haven Hub I've been there a lot longer. I've only gotten involved recently, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it, it's it's absolutely fine. You know, like for myself, I, I've in, uh, I've worked in the community sector a long time, so. I've done a lot of suicide prevention training, assist training, and um, brief intervention intervention skills. So I feel very comfortable doing the work, yeah. um, and it's very manageable. You know, I just do a co- cover a couple of evenings um, every few months. You know, um, hopefully I'll be able to do a bit more now. Uh, there's a new space uh, down at the their Steamboat Key, yeah. um, but I, I mean I think whatever area of interest somebody has, I think volunteering in your community is great. And um, it doesn't have to be suicide prevention it could be anything again mm-hmm. it could be it could be a local community group you know um a local sports club it could be anything i think having a, you know engaging voluntary is good for it's good for you personally um and, and it's really good for your community and good for your city so i'd be i, I really would encourage everyone to, to get involved in some way yeah. in anything in a voluntary capacity yeah. you know
0: and coming back to something you said earlier activism yeah so um you got to marry your partner yeah a few years. my better half yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were very active in getting that legalized yeah like marriage equality yeah. like you know yeah. so uh, how was the build up to all that
1: yeah interesting and very conflicted you know um to bring it back to the, to the civil partnership movement you know there was i remember I was I was very conflicted about whether I was going to support civil partnership or not because it wasn't full equality mm-hmm. and for me I was thinking well, we're legislating inequality here for the gay community you know and and yet then I was I was you know reading up on the on, on the issue and talking to to my other kind of LGBTQ friends and and family and and we were talking well you know having civil partnership it can be one step to to marriage equality. At that time I I, I didn't I couldn't really imagine what it would be like to have marriage equality in Ireland. Yeah. So when the campaign for marriage equality kind of was coming together I was really clear I wanted to be involved Um, and I'd felt that do you know and I was kind of I was thinking us L one gays who are comfortable and safe and in our partnerships you know and having the time to do it like we we need to be getting involved I felt yeah. really ethically obliged to get involved I was feeling like this is where I needed to be um and and I really felt like the the power will come from talking to people on the doors, that this is where the change will happen. Um, I'm not a great one for a debate, I'm not involved in politics, but I'm not a great one for, for listening to debates on the telly and hearing politicians scream at each other. Yeah. I think it's a, it can be a divisive um, action. I think something that unifies and connects people is actually one-to-one conversations on the door, so that's why I wanted to be canvassing coordinator, was to try and help people get Comfortable getting involved in the campaign just to talk to other people, yeah. Um, and, and and that's what I did, and it was it was amazing. It was like it was very uh, painful at times, it was euphoric at times, you know. And, I imagine it could be very
0: disheartening as well when you think you're making progress, and then one person opens the door, and yeah, it's not the right person, you know.
1: Yeah, and and it was interesting you say that because we'd always have what we call a hard no, you know, the kind of like you're the spot and the devil kind of a thing, mm. you'd have them, yeah. Um, but what what I found harder actually was the apathy. Was it, oh, I don't know, it's grand. and I have to go in and see you later, by And you're kind of like, but this is my life and yeah, I need yeah. you to vote for me so I can marry Anne. Don't you get that? And for for some people it wasn't as urgent. They didn't have the sense of urgency with it. With the hard, no, like for me they were a bit more easier to take. Uh, they were harder for me now if I was leading the canvas and someone else got it like mm. if one of the younger um canvassers got that or say one that we had lots of parents um who didn't identify as lgbt but say they might have had a, a child who was or 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 just as, as a parent they really felt like that they had to do this for the children of ireland yeah, yeah, yeah. like if anyone was mean to them i was pure violent i i, I wanted to kill the person but <laughs> obviously i couldn't but that was harder for me to see someone else get it but there was one time where we were building momentum the campaign was going great you know we were we were you know had some really great campuses really high like 80 90 yes you know mm-hmm. uh, particularly in the likes of the north side clearly tomgate and then also Corbley with loads of really really good canvases um down the mill road and um and then something changed there was a, a debate and it was I think it was when marriage equality was kind of taken to position that this isn't about kids this is just about the law but then the no side were very much what about the kids and saying horrible things like children you know um deserve a mother and a father and not two dads and which actually I thought was very um sexist against uh, really targeting gay men and um we had to change the campaign had to change and we hadn't yet so overnight we did a canvas and there was a change in the door and then with that, the no side kept saying on the telly, we're being bullied, we can't speak our opinion, which wasn't their experience. Like yeah. I, I was on the door and lo- we had lots of conversations with someone who said, listen, I, I've thought about it. So it wasn't a hard no in terms of, I mm-hmm. hate gay people, but it was more, I've thought about it, I'm not really comfortable and I can't go there. And we'd have the chat and at the end, if they still felt like they wanted to vote no, that was fine. We'd say hi, say goodbye, thanks for your time. And it was very amicable. Yeah. But then this whole thing of we're being bullied, that changed on the door. So we had... The, the children's issue and then we had the thing where people didn't want to talk to us and then I was thinking we're going to lose it and I remember coming back to Anne and saying like this is not going to pass and what are we going to do like how are we going to live in a country that has actually decided to come out and vote that we're not equal like yeah. what what are we going to do if over a million people come out here and swing this vote to no I don't know if I'm going to be able to live in a country that has done that yeah you know and that was the risk of doing the popular vote and some people would say it wasn't worth it because of what the LGBT community had to go pardon me, had to go through, get an thinking about it. What they had to go through in terms of we had to go to a door, we had to listen to someone say things about us, around our sex life, around our family, then we had to thank them for the time and walk away. And thankfully it was a yes. Yeah. But it could have been a no.
0: Well, that's the thing. Uh, I never felt it would be a no, but I yeah. think I might have been living in a bubble at that time. And I think that could be a fear in a lot of politics and around these debates. Yeah. Is that people don't cross over to, like, when you're canvassing, you have to. Yeah. But if you're not out canvassing and you're just talking to the same people over and over again, mm. you're not hearing different ideas.
1: Of course not. And with things being on social media and and algorithms, that I'm not going to pretend to understand. But what I do know is you're you're, you're in a kind of a an echo chamber, aren't mm. you? Though I was lucky that with Anne, Anne has grown up in quite an evangelical um, and my wife in evangelical family, so we would lots of people around us that were voting <laughs> no, and she would lots of diverse friends, and it's actually really healthy. And like, so not only was I lucky to be in a position where I could understand why someone might vote no, I also loved some of them. And I mean, these are people that years ago when I was in college and I would have talked about them in very angry ways and then here I am, not only breaking bread, but, you know, sitting down and, and loving the person. Um, But that's what we have to do. We have to be able to have our differences over even something as passionate and as important as civil marriage or a human rights issue and still be able to live together. And... You know because without that we're destined for conflict we're destined for um a society that's uh full of division mm-hmm. hatred racism where everyone's on their you know on their high horse in their own side of whatever argument that you're on um and you dehumanize the person so if you can get comfortable being with people who are different and you you see the humanity in each other everything else. Everything else is better because you can be guaranteed you might have one massive difference, and that might be a really emotional thing, but you have 99% similarities commonalities. Um, and commonalities. And when we're talking about living in Limerick, uh, having a yeah. livable city, having an equal city, safe communities, we need to find a common ground as hard as that might be. Work that, on the things you agree on. Work and on the things you agree on. Work yeah. through the things you yeah. don't. And, and change laws. Like, I'm not an apologist for, you know, in any way, yeah. for people who I feel are against the human rights agenda but we still need to have a relationship with each other. We still need to have friendships. We still need to love each other. We st- like we still need to find a way of having compassion for each other as hard as it might be. And myself and I'm just lucky that, you know, two of those people were, were her parents. So we 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 really had to find a way to do it and we did and you know what? We never regretted it. Yeah. We found a, a way to always stand up for ourselves, have pride, but compromise in a way where they were allowed their beliefs. We were allowed our, our human rights <laughs> and our you know God given right there. They're said. handy, aren't they? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. They're handy. You become handy, you know. And uh, deal persecution isn't good for anyone, and and yet still still keep the relationship, and that, and, and that's the kind of politics I'm interested in, hmm. and that's what we need to do. And I and I think with social media, and everything gone online, I have a little bit of a concern that that'll get harder and harder. Yeah, you know.
0: So it's less than a year now since you're actually involved. In politics as a politician these yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So um nine months. Nine months. Yeah, just yeah. in term. A quick nine months actually, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. with the lockdown everything was passed in the blink of an eye. Yeah. But um how did you make the decision to actually run for the general election?
1: Well, like many women I had to be asked and asked and asked. Yeah. Um and it was a very surprise, um Elisa O'Donovan. Um, our new independent counsellor had asked to meet me uh, for a bit of advice and I met her for coffee and canteen uh, and I'd know Lisa because we do some kind of swimming together and stuff. And I thought she was going to ask me an opinion on something to do with maybe an area I'd worked in or yeah. students or something like that. And then she was saying, oh, listen, I have something to say. It's a little bit kind of awkward. And I was like, oh, God, what have I done? I've obviously <laughs> insulted her or something. Because you do you go straight to my fault, yeah. the, the old shame. And, uh, and then she said to me, listen, we had a chat in the branch and we were wondering would you consider joining the Social Democrats and seeking nomination for the general election? I could have floored me. I completely, like you know, I didn't, wasn't expecting it at all. So that's that. That was how it happened. And then we had a, a number of meetings and chats. And
0: it's a big decision to put your name to a political party. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, yeah. I, did that take a while?
1: No, oh, Jesus, actually happened fairly quick. Oh yeah, you know, it was yeah, it happened fairly quick. It, you know, it, it it had a lot to do with my engagement with Elisa. You know, and had a lot to do with the likes of you know the the leaders, Catchin Murphy and Roshi and Shortall and, and Gary Gannon, mm-hmm. you know, and people that I'd that I'd kind of come across in the Social Democrats um, locally and nationally, and and the, and then it just like it felt right, you know, um, and I'm like I'm pure serious, now, Keen. like I, I take everything serious, so I kind of started like looking into the party, making sure I kind of agreed with things and all the sort of stuff, and then. And elements of which I just say, you have to just trust me. Got on this, and the people that I'm chatting to are they people who I feel like I could work with? Like, obviously, we have, you know, I, I my joke with that. Listen, I'm a hard or left. You know, I'm a hard left in my ideals. Yeah. so My but I'm but I'm very collaborative in how I want to work, um, and that was because of marriage quality taught me that that you know we need to find a way to to to, to work within the establishment without losing our <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, because marriage equality is, is an example of, of yeah. that being done properly, is, you know, parties getting on the agenda. Um, you know, but that started years and years and years ago with the likes of David Norris, you know, with the likes of LGBT activists Catching Pony and Louise Gilligan, that, you know, and, and others that. We don't know because maybe they're not with us anymore or they weren't as famous or as public. But people who paved the way, you know, people like Billy, Billy Stoica here in Limerick, you know, like, you know, with Red Ribbon. like So, but you needed then, from a political point of view, you needed, you know, a party in the mainstream to, to get that on the agenda. Yeah. In the left parties. And this is why I'd be a big fan of us the left coming together. So... It, after being asked and, and, and having the initial chats, I chatted to Anne, and this is something for anyone who's interested in, in getting involved in party politics or running for election as an independent, Um, it's a family decision and it, and it should be a family decision. Um, And thankfully, Anne is used to publicity, <laughs> you know, because she's in the arts. So yeah. as a family, you know, we chatted and, 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 and it was something I always had an interest in. Like I've always wanted to try and make change. And I think you can make change in very different ways. And it's about finding... You know the way that's right for you at that time, and for me at the time it was activism, you know, and campaigning. And now I thought, okay, well, I'm going to give the party politics a try, in terms of running for election. Um, I have done a little bit of a stint in other parties. Mm-hmm. I did a stint in Social Shoot. Actually, was my first one. When I came down to to Limerick, I was I met a wonderful Access student, called Ashlyn Gold, and she was in Social Shoot. And I've always and always will be a diehard Joe Higgins fan because he was in my area, and um. And then I did um, a little bit of time in labor after marriage equality. Because again, you know, I, I was really impressed by the people I'd met on the ground um, in labor. And and, and it just it didn't work out for me. And, and I felt like it, it wasn't the right place for me. Yeah. And and that's what you need to do. You know, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I know people get mocked. Oh, they've been in this party and that party and they've done this and that. But I mean, it's not life, don't you? have to try different things um, until you find the right place and the right way for you. And I would be encouraging Everybody, if you have an opinion on how you want society to be changed, get involved in that group, an advocacy group, a political party, a, you know. Speak uh,
0: to the people involved. Absolutely, speak yeah. to people
1: involved. And, and, and like I said, you know, the party politics is only one type, It's only one way of doing politics. And yeah. it's not the most important way, and it's definitely not the only way, you know. Um So, yeah, so I I said, yeah. And, you know, I was uh, and that was and then I was off in India for a month. So so we thought the campaign was going to be May. Yeah, it was going to be late, like late May or even more into the summer. So when they called the election for February, it was a bit of a shock. And I meant we only had four weeks. So I was I was was a total baby, Mm -hmm. you know, politically speaking in terms of campaign. Um but
0: uh, still a very successful candidate. It was a very successful yeah. and
1: I'm pure absolutely delighted with it. Like, you, very you might proud. have been
0: elected, but the amount of votes you got for a first time candidate with four weeks of a run Yeah, it was just under four
1: percent of the vote. Like that's yeah. not to be sniffed at, you know. And 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 this is where your team of people around you um makes it possible. Like the candidate is the only person you see. Yeah. But it's not the person who does the most work, you know. Like in one way you 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 you're you know, you're more you're publicly out there so there's more of a of um i suppose a you know a a pressure in one way in terms of uh having to be the representative but that's why you're in politics yeah but on the ground you have people involved in your campaign who are out there canvassing with you helping you plan supporting you like i have people who would support me in terms of preparing for different things helping me learn develop research um you know even to the point of people like doing posters helping out with the material like and that's democracy and that's where like getting involved in a political party or a group that is is, is, advocates or does activism is great because there's different levels that you can get involved in Mm -hmm. depending on your your comfort depending on your skill set depending on what you want to achieve you know so for me it was very I would not have been able to do if it wasn't for the team in the social democrats in Limerick and people who support what the Social Democrats stand for, but aren't necessarily party members. And you cannot underestimate the value of them either. Um, but I had no money. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm i not, don't come from a political dynasty family or a money family <laughs> in any way. Uh, I see those two things as positives. And uh, and I needed to start from scratch, yeah. you know, like, and that meant start from scratch financially. And I think it's always really important to put it all out there on the table. Like, my campaign cost me nine grand. And if you want to get involved in politics, you need to be, for a general election, you know, and, and I had the least posters of everyone, like you could see them I'm like, you know, and yet we ran a great campaign. Um, that's what you're looking at. So there is a financial barrier, and this is where political parties and organisations that want to support independent candidates, you know, kind of need to be working really hard to take the financial exclusion out of politics, because it is a game of privilege, and it shouldn't be you know Mm -hmm. it shouldn't because you have a family member who has you know like long years and years and years involved in 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 decision making or it shouldn't be because you have disposable income or somebody has disposable income now if you are in a wealthy position and if you do have family that doesn't mean you're going to be a bad politician definitely not you know but it we need to open the door to other people as well so it's not about excluding anyone it's about actually bringing everyone in and giving them the opportunity um and then like my work in the social democrats what i want to do with the branch in limerick is to develop us as a branch so that we are a place where someone can walk in with loads of energy loads of passion loads of anger whatever the emotion is and, and and a vision to change and that we're a place where then we can help you develop the skills develop the resources to be able to get involved in decision making at a national level for limerick and for your community
0: and like uh, the, the system in ireland is the Proportional representation, single transferable vote. Yeah. So, do you think there is enough proportional representation? <sighs>
1: um. Well, no. Like
0: geographically, it might be. Yeah. my well, no, population, like, we'd say.
1: Yeah, like, and, and I'll be straight out. You know, I mean, like, I'm not a like a political scientist in terms of voting systems, but like, you know, I, but if you are one of them, parties love you, and please join one. <laughs> right. <laughs> but like. Is, is there enough representation, which is the question? Yeah, No, there isn't. Like, let's look at it uh, in terms of the representation of women yeah. It's deplorable. Do you know, um, a representation of most of our minority communities is non-existent. And, you know, I, I, and I remember reading an article around gender equality in Irish politics. This was just when I was doing a little bit of uh, preparation for the campaign. And I came across an article and it was talking about gender inequality in the doll, and in terms of assets. And I'd have to pull up the exact numbers, but it was in and around—now, excuse me for the for the slight inaccuracy—was that the male a- politicians or male-identifying politicians? The assets that they had were coming up to nearly two million, and for women it was more around one million. And I'm like, this is the average assets of RTDs in Ireland. Yeah, Where, like we are—that is not representative of the majority of people working hard mining their families living in their communities and trying to make where they live a better place like that's not representative like how can you be making policy around housing when you have multi-million dollar assets mm-hmm. and let's speak generally probably in, in 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 the property sector and i wouldn't deny anyone their privilege you know yeah. like i said i just want to excuse my language kind of curse you? i was want to eradicate poverty because <laughs> we shouldn't have any inequality but i wouldn't want to deny anyone their privilege but But the problem here is that you have a a certain section of society who live a certain way because of their economic situation, making all the decisions. And like anything, if you have just a small section of, of, of people making decisions, you're not going to be making decisions for everybody. You're not going to be looking after the interests of everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's a big problem. And and yet we don't even have a system where you can do an expression of conflict of interest, for example, which is what I would love to do if if, if, if it works out for me in whatever way as a candidate or or, or otherwise. is that we have a situation where whoever's legislating, if they're legislating on an area that they have a direct interest in financially, that that has to be disclosed. And then there has to be an objective way that it can be decided whether that person can engage in that decision making or legislating in a way without serving their own interest. You know, um but now we don't have representation in very different ways, you know. But yeah, like I told you about like, who 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 would have ten grand if we called an election in three in three months? Yeah. Lots of people in, in all over Limerick. yours
0: was less than a month, really. Yeah, um, two months. Yeah, and and and, yeah. and
1: and I was very lucky to get it together. Yeah, but also, and I'm thinking, you know, like, and I'm somebody who's like, was very lucky to go through access, very lucky to get a degree, very lucky to have a secure housing, you know, um, and 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 a, and a, and a loving partner. And, and yeah, I was even thinking, well, sure, geez, I have no money, like, sure, how can I do that? I, I, mm-hmm. I can't, you know, run for elections. That's what happens when we have an unequal system, or we put a financial barrier in place, or that we don't assertively it's and actively... It's something that the public
0: doesn't see as well.
1: No, no, because you don't talk about it, yeah. you know. And and we've had and we've had our, you know, obviously our, our issues with expenses and all that sort of stuff, but we need to be talking honestly about it. Yeah. We need to be opening this up. Politics shouldn't be a secret game for the privileged it should, be a, it, sh- it should be a mechanism to make Ireland better that everyone can get involved in if they want. And then it's down to the likes of political parties and, and organisations like Women for Election to make it more accessible to people. But that's what we should be, I think, like encouraging people to get involved who traditionally wouldn't feel like it's for them or that they'd be able to. Yeah.
0: You know. So uh, it was a quick learning curve for those two months I I'd imagine. While, so so uh, <laughs> and you're probably still learning now. So what oh, have yeah. you learned politics-wise, you'll say, over the last few months?
1: Yeah. Um
0: it's a different uh world from yeah. when you got into politics at the start of the year, even though it was a short Mm.
1: a lot has changed I learned it was a good year not to get elected <laughs> <laughs> I know no what I, I learned a lot I learned a lot about myself actually yeah you know in terms of uh yeah just in terms of being able to manage different situations and the skills needed um you know to, to represent to be a, to be a proper representative I think like and again, I would always be in favor of collaboration. Mm. So I went in knowing that I had a belief that you need to find your common ground. I suppose I've learned that that's that's more important than ever, and that there will be times when even with that common ground, there'll be um, opportunities you won't be able to pursue because the dominant culture in politics may be to look after the interests of the political party. Um, so I've learned that we need to the more new people we have coming into politics. The more we can wipe that sort of stuff out, you know, in terms of the the culture that perpetuates inequality, that perpetuates a system of politics that is not as transparent as I would like it to be, and lots of people would like it to be. One of the biggest things I learned was um, the importance of the non candidates in a political party and how influential they can be in different ways, um, and how you know the to get elected you need. To, you need an army of people mm-hmm. behind you and you need to look after the, that army of people. You, like, you need to look after that group. You need to mind them. You need to support them. You need to listen to them. I've also learned that generally the candidate is the most stupidest person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, and and, and, and I can't help as well to say that like as a woman, one of the biggest things I've seen was that we are miles away from, from, from getting to a stage where we have gender equality in politics and representation you know, the women that were involved in my campaign and that, and also other women that were running um, and and other women in other parties that were very supportive um, It made a huge difference, you know, and I think, you know, I've learned that we need to be working with girls at a very young age and boys at a very young age and kids of all genders at a very young age to start getting into the psyche that women can be leaders. That women can make law, can make legislation, can be senators, can be the president of Ireland, can be, you know, have the majority of TDs in the doll Things that you'd be assuming we don't need to be doing right now because, yeah. you know, we have women in Dáil, we've asked presidents. But I've learned that we're so far away from that, you know. And women will still, it's still an uphill battle for to get a woman to run for election.
0: Um, There's a lot of obstacles in the way there, especially, um, like, the pressure on women... To be the child bearer or the... Yeah. The mother figure of the family, yeah, like, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah the and main carer. Like... That must come into play at some point as well and things need to be done around that.
1: Well, yeah, like and, and I mean our own kind of uh T D Holly Kearns um with Social Democrats has been raising the issue of maternity care. And one thing that she said is like, God, when you have other women politicians saying she, ah no, we we couldn't be doing that. You realise you have a big problem, you know. Um and and, and 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 like we we know the obstacles for women getting get you know going into politics. You know, there there it's confidence is a massive issue in terms of like building the confidence of of, of women unless we this is where it starts as girls, the confidence to be to be to not be a bossy girl, but to be to be a girl that is confident in her leadership abilities. You know, uh, to see other women in positions of leadership. If we have and and I know I should know this, the, the percentage of women in the doll for it to be a, a, as low as it is uh, is sending a message. You know, to, to to young girls and young women growing up in Ireland, um, like cash, like money is a big issue. You mm-hmm. know, financing is a big issue. Getting women on the ticket is an issue. Getting parties to support women candidates is an issue. You know, childcare is a massive issue and, and, and childminding. Um, and, and, and it was interesting because, you know, obviously with everything with Black Lives Matters and the Traveller I and mean, Rights Movement really kind of getting a bit of momentum, something that I've learned is if we're really looking at doing equality, Sometimes your role is to actually step out of the way and not pursue your own interest, mm-hmm. but to give room and space to someone else. And that will be true for, say, male members of political parties, that they will be working towards giving women an opportunity. It's also true for me as a white, settled woman um, who now is living a middle-class life and and, and, and and is financially secure. That my role will be at a time to step aside and support and give room to a woman who is disadvantaged in a way that i'm not or who's representative representative in a way that i'm not whether that's a member of the traveling arm and community or whatever you know Mm -hmm. um but that's what we have to do if we're looking to really promote quality in politics and so when we're looking at addressing the issue of women's representation like that needs to be embedded in all the parties and it's not there
0: how far away do you think we are from that
1: we're very far away yeah. <laughs> you know i think we're very far away definitely you know and i suppose and if you look at the COVID pandemic as well uh there's been a massive pressure on on women at home with care and responsibilities whether that was caring for you know dependent children or whether it was caring for for loved ones or adult children who had maybe learning difficulties or physical disabilities or any sort of caring needs and you know so so i think we're very far away from it um Do you think quotas are the answer? I think they help. They're proven to help. They're proven to increase the female candidates, definitely. Um, And yeah, I I would be a massive, uh, you know, advocate for affirmative action and Mm. positive discrimination. Definitely. I would be absolutely delighted for something like that being the reason why I wouldn't be a candidate. Because maybe we'd have, like I said, a woman from the traveling community or the Mincari community. That would be a good day, you know. Um, And, you know, but. If we're really true to the cause well then we'll be willing to do it you know
0: and then uh, just to loop things back to your work with ul student life oh yeah students are often underrepresented in the political sphere i think yeah and do you think your work with students can help you see the problems that they face in terms of politics
1: yeah um yeah definitely you know when we look at world changes historically the student movement has been very powerful Mm -hmm. and um and i got politicized as a student you know as an access student um it has definitely um and what i've what i feel is if we're looking at changes in higher education in ireland now that will be put in place in terms of the covid pandemic uh we're looking at potentially uh, a threat to um, to the student body being able to be organized in a way or have an education experience in a way where we're promoting the culture of protest. We're promoting civic engagement, uh, civic education, you know, developmental education, and where we're encouraging students to be bulgy, to be bold, to be critical, uh, not only have critical thought but critical action um, and, 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 and activism. Uh, so I'd be concerned about that, you know, um, and I'm very excited to see what will come from the student body in terms of how they're going to do all of that mm-hmm. in the age of, of of COVID and post-COVID as well. Because I think we do need to be looking at, you know, what how life will be when we have a vaccine and uh, which we will have eventually. Yeah. Uh, and in between, we're just at a time now where we, we're, we're waiting and we have to keep our communities as safe as possible but working with the students is great because the I feel very energized you know um, I feel like there's a lot of ideas coming from the student body and I think that can that that generation has been kind of wrote off a bit uh, which I think is very dangerous <laughs> um, but it has and and, and I, I also think that obviously we have the leave and start results coming out that uh, we need to be really clear that we're not advocating things that will disadvantage even more people again uh, additionally when it comes to education because again there's no point of having a student body that's only representative of, of the privileged or a student movement that's only representative of the, of the most privileged in society you know so we need to keep education public we need to keep education equal Um, and at the moment i'd have concerns about that yeah i would yeah yeah and i think at all costs and even though we're looking at industries changing more kind of automation all the sort of stuff higher education and education needs to be a place where we're developing people and, and 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 young people emotionally uh, mentally, but also in a way where they're critical thinking and critical agents in society. Because we get old, we get conservative. We have to pay our bills and all this. Mm-hmm. And as we get older, you know, uh, you know, I find constantly trying to battle that conservatism that creeps in. Your student body is crucial for keeping manners on us. It's crucial for making sure we have the voice of the next generation. But to have our student body active, we need to have our education equal and accessible to everybody. Um,
0: it comes back to that representation. It I mean, really does. Yeah. It
1: all, but it always does, doesn't it? It always does. Um, like if you're, if we have a, a situation where people are too busy trying to manage uh, poverty, mm-hmm. you know, um, well then they're, they're they're losing their ability to to get involved and to shape our society, and 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 that can that should not be the case, you know. Yeah,
0: Jenny, thanks very much for chat How yeah. can people keep up to date with your work?
1: Yeah well I suppose you can follow me on um, all things social media it's Jenny Blake LK um, on Twitter and uh, Facebook and I suppose you can follow us on Social Democrats Limerick um, and Social Democrats nationally we also have a county branch um, Social Democrats County so whether you're in the city or you're in the county if you would like to get involved uh, then please do reach out to us. But also, whether you're political leaning or not, if you want to get active, I'd be saying pick a group or pick a party that uh, you want to get involved in um, and, and, and don't be afraid to contact them. There's lovely people in every group you know mm-hmm. um, but we're more lovely in social Democrats <laughs> <laughs> uh, and best luck with your travels key. thanks very much this yeah. podcast has
0: been a, some time coming and we finally got it done yeah, just thanks before I left thanks for joining me you've been listening to the We Are Limerick podcast for more podcasts visit limerickpost.ie forward slash podcasts and you can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels